Welcome to a Hope Alive Church podcast, where we strive to be an authentic family of believers, where we believe everyone can encounter the living hope found only in Jesus Christ. We hope you enjoy the word. How's everybody? For y'all in the back, I got boots on. I don't know if I saw earlier, but I got boots on. Don't stop it. Y'all could do it. Well, I did. I just bought them. So what's funny, he was talking about the kids. I love y'all's kids, y'all. If I haven't had the opportunity to tell you yet, your kids are funny. Even if you don't think they are, they're funny. And they, they're a trip, y'all. So earlier I walked to the back, and I just was, like, checking on stuff before I, you know, came up here to stay. And the girls, they won our, uh, we called it uh, Code Silver, so they brought all their, you know, silver change, and it was boys against girls, and girls won. So I go to the back just to check everything out. I look in our turquoise room, and one girl, I'm not going to give no names, she had another little girl, like, up. And I was like, I walked in, and I was like, hey, well, how about we just stay on the ground? They were trying to build, like, a, like a pyramid. And uh, any other scenario, I probably would have let him do it. And I probably would have. Let's see how high we can go. It was, it was Anthony's kid, y'all. I was just, <laughs> just going to throw it out there. She was on top. She was, she was at the top. She's the smallest in the room. She's, she's a cheerleader. She, yeah, she was probably her idea, too. Uh, but you know, truthfully, y'all, I'm, I'm honored and um, blessed to be able to, to lead them. We talk about real-world problems and a real-world Jesus. So we, uh, discipline is heavy. Y'all may have heard about some of that. and That's okay. I'm sure you agree. Are y'all ready? Because I'm ready. This first part here, it's, uh, turn with me if you have your Bibles. You should have your Bibles. Turn with me to uh, Luke chapter 7, verse 37. This is kind of long, so you can follow along or just write the verse down. And I'm going to read it out loud. Are you all ready? Here we go. So it says, Now there was a woman in the city who was known as a sinner. And when she found out that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began wetting his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Off her head. And kissed his feet and anointed them with perfume. Now, when the Pharisee who had been invited, who invited him, I'm sorry, saw this, he said, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him. That she is a notorious sinner, an outcast, devoted to sin. Verse 40 says, Jesus answering said to the Pharisees, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he said, he replied, teacher, say it. A certain moneylender who had two debtors, one owed 500, the other owed 50, when they had no means of repaying the debts, he freely forgave both of them. So which of them loved him more? Simon answered, 
the one, I take it, for whom he forgave more. Jesus said to him, you have decided correctly. Then turning towards the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the moment I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with costly and rare perfume. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. Everybody say forgiven. For she loved so much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. I love that story. I've heard that story. I've read it numerous times. Uh, I always get something different out of it. This time around, I, I was reading it and, and thinking and pondering. And what stuck out to me was her, her posture, right? It caught my attention. Her intentions in that moment were, were clear. Right. There was there was no hesitation on her part. She found out. Verse 37 says she found out he was reclining at the table and she came. Right. She had purpose. She came to worship. She wept at his feet. Right. She knew exactly where she was, y'all. The title of my message tonight is Miracle Territory. And this woman was in it, and she knew it. She could, have, she could have done a lot of things. She could have asked and begged for forgiveness, knowing who she was knelt down in front of, right? She could have went running and screaming and, and trying to tell everybody, you know, he's here, he's here. But she waited. She stayed. She worshiped. She knew in that moment that her cry meant something. She, she recognized where she was and who she was sitting in front of. Because of her faith and because of her worship, her sins were forgiven, right? My favorite part about this whole thing was that there was no hesitation. There wasn't that moment, we've all been there, there wasn't that moment where uh, we, we're sitting in our chair and, and we're, we're, you know, our legs kind of are pushing us to go. Are we going? Your brain's saying, are we going? Are we going or not? Your heart's saying, get up. It's time to go. Get up. But there's this fight that's happening, right? With her, there was no hesitation. I loved it. I loved reading that part. She, she went. I, I study and I, I, I read on, on things that I observe, right throughout our city and other cities and other countries and things that I hear about, right. And one of the things that's always stuck out to me is that, you know, we're free to come to church whenever we want. 
often as we want. We can carry in what we want. We can wear what we want. We can bring who we want. And there's places in the world, we've all heard it, there's places in the world where that's not a luxury, right? You have a page of the Bible and they will kill you, right? The church as a whole, okay, is what I'm talking about. I want to I wanna say that up front. Um, I, I wish that we had more moments like what she had. More of the, more of the, I'm not waiting, he's here, I'm running moments. And it's stuck with me because at the church as a whole is failing to do this, right? We, we see it all over the place. And you talk with people, and, and I've, got, I've got family. I'll be the first to tell you I've got family members that use these, these next few lines. They say things like, we make excuses. They say it's too loud, right? No, it's too loud in the back. It's in the back. It's too loud. That guy talks too loud. He was yelling at us like it was it's too loud, right? I don't see why it has to be so dark in there. Why is everything painted black? What are we doing? I didn't like any of the songs. Ever heard that one? They didn't play my jam today. I didn't have, I didn't like none of them. <laughs> they, we hold, we hold worship hostage, right? Um, based on our preferences. And so, it hurts, y'all. We, we, we have to do better. We have to. We have to encourage other people. And, and look, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be the first to tell you, we're going to look weird. There's going to be moments where they're going to be like, that church is weird. That dude's weird, man. Don't listen to that guy speak. He's weird. Let me tell you something. I was born weird. I was weird today. I'm going to be weird tomorrow. I'm cool with it. When did our worship get conditional? When did that happen? When did we get, when did we get so arrogant? We, we, we got to a point where, where we tell, when we, when we tell the king when we're going to worship and when we're not. When did that happen? Where did we take a wrong turn to say, hey, I'm going to decide. I'm going to decide when the moment's right. When the lights are down low enough, when nobody's watching me, when my family's not here. When did we when did we get to that point? As if he owes us, right? Like he owes us something. It's crazy. Luke chapter 19, verse 40 says, Jesus said to the Pharisees, I tell you, if these people keep silent the stones will cry out. I love that because I, I, I like to think that, that, well, I like to think, number one, that Jesus had a, you know, a sense of humor and, and that at times that he was sarcastic, like me. That's where I get it from. So I, I can hear sarcasm when I read that out loud because the truth is, is that it's not, we're not offering something that he needs to survive, right? We're, offering what it was that we were created to do 
plain and simple. So I got a few points, as usual, but I want, I want to make sure that we're all on the same page, okay? There's worship that happens here, what we do here. There's forms of worship is what I'm getting at. Are you with me? If you're taking notes, write this one down. Your service is a reflection of your worship. What am I talking about? Your service is a reflection of your worship. So if you serve here at the church or you've ever served at any church, really, um, there's a couple of things that, that we, should, we should just put out in the open, right? Number one, um, you don't serve, let's say you're on the serve team. Let's just say that. You don't serve Armando, right? You're in Hope Kids. You don't serve me. You don't serve your team lead, right? Colossians 3. I got a lot of verses, guys, so bear with me. Write them down. You can go back and read them. Colossians 3 and 23, 24 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Verse 24 says, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. It's not us. It's not the leadership of the church. Are you with me? Your willingness to serve is a reflection on your worship to him and him alone. So how you do that is the reflection of that. Am I making sense? Somebody a long time ago, we got chewed out. Some, I may have said this story once before, but we got chewed out once in the green room. We were all asleep on the couches. You know, just, there it was early. We were tired. We were being lazy. Everybody was knocked out. And the worship leader, he came in and he chewed us out. And we came in tired because we either stayed up late the night before. We didn't prepare for the service that we had the next day. We didn't prepare to serve. We didn't prepare to worship, right? And we were the worship team. We were the ones that were supposed to be leading. And as the worship team, we always say that we can't take people where we've never been before. So we have to make sure that we are prayed up and, and that we are in the right frame of mind and our heart is in the right place. And here comes the worship leader. He comes in and we're, everybody's out of there, out. Me included. I'm not going to tell you everything he said, but at the end of it, he said, don't come in here giving God your leftovers. I love that. It stuck with me. That was years ago, y'all. Years ago. And it stuck. It stuck with me. When we come in to serve at what, wherever it is that you're serving, we got to come in with a full heart ready. Right? Because your day may be that day. It may be, just may be the day where somebody walks in and they just happen to find you first. And in that moment, they, they, they just spill it all. And they're like, listen, I got a gun in the car. And I, I was about to end it and something, something told me to come in. If you don't think that those things happen, you are mistaken. 
And so you have to carry yourself and be prepared, be ready at all times. I got way off my notes on that one, guys. I'm sorry. Way off. Your, your service is, is valued. Okay? Not, not just by us. Of course, we love you and we're happy to do it, but your, your service is valued by God. It's, it's something that he delights in. Right? And like, like Pastor Cliff was saying earlier, if the camera person, whoever's live streaming this thing, if they fail to show up or they fell asleep back there and they missed a button or whatever the case may be, that person in New York may have never saw what they needed to see. Right? They never would have heard the words that they needed to hear. There's consequences to our laziness. I'm just going to call it what it is. Are you with me? Without that camera person, we, we don't, they, they miss out on their encounter. Okay, our worship is any time that we get to encounter God, right? So that means if, if we serve with the heart, a full heart of gratitude, then your kids get to encounter God, our teenagers get to encounter God. It's not just us, right? Their reach is through proper services is far, y'all. States wide is far. My second point is to write this one down. Prepare yourself for worship. Everybody say prepare. So I want to point out the fact that people worship in different ways. Right. Your form of worship looks different than other people's and that's fine. hundred percent. Okay. Not just the way that you worship, what your form of worship is, but your posture during worship is different and that's okay. Paul said in Romans 12, one, he said, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Psalms 95, 1 and 2 says, Oh, come, let us sing joyfully to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with a song of thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with songs. I got one more. John 4, 23 says, But a time is coming and is already here when true worshipers, everybody say true worshipers, will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father seeks such people to be his worshipers. My, my form of worship for years, guys, well, not my only, but one of them was, was in that cage over there. I played not just in that one, but other ones, right? That was my form of worship. I had to prepare. If, if I failed to prepare, if I showed up, and I wasn't ready, I didn't know the music, I hadn't practiced, I didn't have the equipment, whatever the case may be, if I failed to do so, my worship suffered. I brought leftovers that day. Not only that, but the opportunity to worship in that manner is a gift that was given to me. Right? 
I spent years trying to perfect that craft so that I didn't squander the opportunity that was presented to me. Every time that we go to to worship and we halfway do it, we give all the motions, right? We, we give, we run through the motions every time. Not only is it a missed opportunity for your encounter, nobody else's, you're not here for nobody else. This is for your, those moments are for your benefit. Worshiping God means crediting Him the absolute worth He alone deserves. If we do this, like I said, half-heartedly, we missed it, y'all. And I see it. I see it so much. I see so many repetitious, repetitious bodies, churches. We're going to do, we're going to do, you know, two, two songs fast. We're going to do a slow one and boom, we're over. We'll be at IHOP by 12. What is that? When did we get there? There's people that will travel through knee-deep water for miles on foot. And we squander opportunities left and right. We have to prepare our hearts for worship, right? We have to, when we come in, when we wake up that morning, we have to pray. We have to thank God for the opportunity first to be awake, next for the opportunity to serve Him in whatever manner that is, right? So when we come up to the church house, we should come up here full and ready to receive. More than that, we come up here ready to give, right? This is, these are the moments where these are the moments where, where, we, where an outpouring takes place. This isn't where we collect, right? There's an outpouring that takes place when he walks into the room. It happens. We know it happens, right? Again, here's those moments where it's like, do you want it or not? There's, there's, there's beauty in choices, right? There's, there's, I, I love the fact that, that God's not going to make you do anything that you don't want to do, right? It's going to be your choice whether you want to get off your butt and come up. If you want to walk into miracle territory, that is your choice. Every time that we cry out, every time that we scream for forgiveness, that we ask for help, we take a step closer, a step closer. Be authentic. That's my third point. Be authentic. Worship that pleases God is authentic. Psalms 24 and 4 says, He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to what is false, nor has sworn deceitfully, he shall receive a blessing from the Lord in righteousness from the God of his salvation. Peter, my guy Peter. I love Peter. He is authentic. 
He was his true self from the moment that he met Jesus. And because of that, y'all, he got rebuked a lot. Jesus had to set him straight quite a bit. How many of you know that correction is just a part of life? Right? We have to accept it and just move on. I think Peter was good at that. He was also good at just speaking before thinking. He reminds me of myself. Okay? I'm not talking about the Peter that went on to, you know, preach to thousands. And I'm talking about the early Peter. The one that, like, just really clearly didn't think. That's me. Just me? Okay. Let me go. Yeah. But Jesus knew that he could trust him. His authentic self, even with his flaws, he remained teachable, right, and relatable. He had to learn restraint, humility, and patience. Patience is a tough one for people like me. I want it right now. The truth of the matter is, y'all, is that nobody, this one may hurt, but nobody wants the fake version of you. Nobody. We have more to offer. We can, right? We don't, we don't want to step into a building, go to work. Nobody wants to wonder which version of the person we're talking to we're getting into. Does that make sense? No. We need to know who the real you is. It's okay that we are who we are. And it's okay that we do the things that we do. We may be quick to anger. We, we all got stupid problems, y'all. I'm just going to call it what it is. We're dumb at times. We just don't know how to act. It's okay for you to be you in those moments. The thing is, is that we're not hiding anything, right? I may be good at baking it for you, but I'm not hiding nothing. You know, uh, when I go to pray and I, and I purposely leave out that one part, right? It's not like he didn't know. Am I lying? There's, there's, um, there's peace in that, I think. There's, there's freedom in being able to lay it all, lay it all down. This is who I am, Lord. These are the mistakes that I've made. I want to correct it, please. God wants the original version of us. Right? The original, somebody say the original version. The pathway to miracle territory is paved with authentic people with an authentic heart for worship. Somebody asked me this past weekend, my, my wife had a, a, a death in the family. And, and it's our family. We had a death in the family. And, and I was talking to one of her cousins, and he asked me, he said, how do you, how do you get to, you know, where you are now? How do, how, did you, how do you get to your belief that you have right now? Um. There's a confidence, right, that we walk around with when we know what we know. And so apparently that was apparent. And I'm grateful for that because he asked. And I, I told him, I said, I, 
To be honest with you, I was unprepared for the answer. If I'm, if I'm being straightforward with you, I was. I was completely unprepared. So he asked me, and I said, it happens in encounters. And those encounters happen here. It's not something that people told me, you know, and I just believed. People told me and told me and told me for years before I was in the right place. And before I knew it, I was in tears with my hands in the air. And I could feel the change. Truthfully, in that moment, that wasn't really the answer that he wanted because it was something that was unfamiliar to him. He didn't know what I was talking about. Again, like usual, I told him, I could show you better than I could tell you. I could bring you somewhere. We, you know what I mean? Like we can, we can talk and we can pray it out, but the encounter happens through submission, right? You have to be willing We turn, we turn away from the unfamiliar, right? It's, it's in our nature. From the unfamiliar, the uncomfortable, we, we, we turn away from it. We run in most cases. I'm talking emotionally, right? Maybe, maybe some of the other, but emotional, especially us guys, when we get to a point where we feel the tears coming on, right? We feel that the quiver in our bottom lip. We know that some tears are about to hit. Our first reaction is to be like, we're going to go, I got to go to the bathroom. We walk away. I don't know why we do that. We just do. It's, uh, it's for all of us, though. Submission, humility, freedom. We have to have those three things. We have to be able to lay it all down in these moments. In these moments, in these moments, we have to dig deep. We have to hold on tight. What's crazy is somehow, no matter how many times we've been here, there's always more. There's always a, there's always a, a, a place where, there's always a place that we can go deeper, right? There's always more. And even in those moments, I'm telling you, you can feel the unfamiliar. Right? You can feel, I'm, I'm diving in, I'm going deeper, I'm going deeper. And part of you wants to pull back. Because it's scary. Things start to happen emotionally where you have to, that's when the ugly cries happen, y'all. Everybody's been there. It's uncomfortable at times. But it's literally never ending. He'll keep pouring and pouring and pouring as long as you're willing. As long as you keep asking, he'll keep pouring and pouring until you've saturated, he's saturated your whole existence and you have nothing left. It's overwhelming. Here's the kicker, though. Without your complete 
wholehearted yes. Without that, I'm sorry to tell you that it's outside of your reach. We can't grab it if we're not committed to it. Again, the choice is there. The choice is ours, right? We have to, we have to make that full commitment. Our posture has to be yes, both for life and for worship. It has to be yes, a full yes. I want more than anything to be in a place of comfort and peace all the time. That'd be great, right? Just like the lady earlier, we were talking about when I cry out to him like she did, it means something. My worship means something to him. My yes, it means something to him. Because he said yes to me first. Long before this junk ever happened, where we somewhere we got offline, long before it ever happened, he said yes to me first. He said yes to the mocking. He said yes to the crown of thorns. He said yes to being spit on. He said yes to being scourged. You guys know what that entails? Have you ever looked up what the crucifixion was like? You know what gets me about that whole thing is it happened before anything else happened. He was sent off to be scourged. And so it's described they would they tied his hands up, stretched his hands up above his head. And the purpose was so that the back muscles would be extended. And then they would swing from the sides. And every time they would make contact, the bones would stab into the muscle. And they would yank. And it would pull the muscle apart. Most people, that was like their favorite torture back in the day. Most people would have died from that part alone. That happened first. It happened first. After that, he still carried his cross. He still had to walk. Even after his cross was carried for him. Bleeding. These cute pictures that they put up of what, you know, he, they, they believe that he looked like. They're, it's not accurate. The Bible says he was unrecognizable. Stand to your feet. Matthew 27 and 28 says they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And after twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head. They put a reed in his hand as a scepter. Kneeling before him, they ridiculed him, saying, Hail, rejoice, the king of the Jews. They spat on him. And then they took this reed and they hit him over the head repeatedly with it. And still, he said yes. 
He said yes to the nails getting driven through his hands and his feet. I'm asking tonight, will you say yes for yours? Pastor Brandon said a couple of weeks ago that it's generational and it's, it, it's true. Your yes today is a down payment for the yeses of the future. We have to for, for our kids. Miracle territory is here, y'all. It's in his presence. It's here. It hurts in these moments because we have to realize and we know that he died because of us. May as well have been me that drove the nails in. His, his back and body was ripped open because of me, because of my sin. It should have been me that got scourged. It should have been me that was mocked and spit on. It should have been me that was crucified. It should have been me. We can't keep going through the motions, teaching our kids and their families, our families, our grandparents. We can't keep going through these motions, teaching that we're only going to pray at the dinner table or we're only going to pray when the lights are right, when we're in a certain building. We have to do better, church. I'm, I'm asking that you uh, consider for a moment. I'm asking that you, that you maybe just think about what that moment looked like. I'm asking that you step out of your comfort zone. I'm asking that, that you don't leave here the same way that you came in. I'm asking that you remember that miracle territory turns to holy ground. Anytime that he walks in the room, are you going to squander the opportunity to worship before the king? Are we going to take are we going to take our take for granted the moments that we have to stand up and to serve in a manner that he can be proud of? Are we going to worship in a way that he can be proud of? Is my question for you tonight. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to stay up to date, be sure to follow us on all social media platforms or visit us online at myhopealive.church.